Let me ask you guys a question. What do you guys think about the discipline of scripture memorization? Do you think that it's important to memorize scripture? Or do you think that scripture memorization is a sign of an overzealous Christian? The monotonous work of a zealot? Or the tiresome labor of the extremist? Well, about a year ago, I was flipping through the channels on the TV. I think it was a Sunday morning. It may have been Sunday evening. Probably was Sunday evening because I usually don't turn on the TV till later in the evening. So I'm spinning through the channels on this Sunday evening. By happenstance, I stumbled upon a local channel. It was rerunning a local church service. Now, this particular church is led by two senior pastors. It's a husband and wife team. Now, whether or not the Word of God allows for women to hold the position of pastor or elder within the church is not what we're going to talk about today. We'll save that discussion for another time. Now, on this particular day, the wife was preaching to the congregation. Now, I'd probably watched three or four of this particular church's services over the months, but this was the first time I heard the wife speak. Now, I don't know their names, so I'm just going to call them husband and wife. Now, I don't remember a single thing that either one of them preached, to be honest with you. Except for this one statement made from the pulpit by the wife. Now, this is a statement that has been seared into my subconscious. That's with a red-hot branding iron. I can't shake it. Now, she was speaking about the Word of God, and her thoughts naturally ushered her onto the topic of Scripture memorization. And as she peered out over the congregation, she blurts out, Memorize Scripture. Now, who wants to memorize Scripture? Yuck! Right before my eyes, this Christian preacher stomped on and ground to dust with her red stiletto the man and woman of God's praiseworthy pursuit of a true, sure, detailed knowledge of the very words of God, which is exactly what the Bible is. I even clearly remember the look of disgust on her face as she said, Memorize Scripture. Ugh. She had the look on her face as if she had just watched her dog eat its own vomit. Or if she had or if she had just been spit up on by a seasick child. Now it seemed as though as in her heart, scripture memorization is to her a bad thing. Or the overly tedious work of an overzealous, over enthusiastic Overly obsessive fanatic. Now I found her words, however, in her twisted facial expressions. As if she had just tasted the word of God and it was to her like accidentally chopping into a lemon. I found her words and expressions regarding scripture memorization to be very interesting. Because, because she's a Christian and I'm a Christian. 
And she and I read and study the same Bible. She and I, we worship at the feet of the same God. And yet she and I have the exact opposite point of view when it comes to scripture memorization. And it's not even, by the way, as if the Bible has left us without witness. I don't find scripture memorization to be an overzealous, overly committed effort at all, but rather necessary and fulfilling and worshipful and prayerful and a delight and biblical. Scripture memorization, which is to her like drinking a glass of bile, is to me like drinking a glass of sweet chocolate milk or like chewing on the honeycomb. And as I said, with eyes wide open, we clearly see the Bible hasn't left us without witness when it comes to this seemingly controversial topic of Scripture memorization. Now, there are three disciplines in my life that never change, regardless of what changes around me or within me. Three things that I do six to seven days a week, and I've been doing, been doing so now for years. Number one is prayer. Now, prayer is obviously a seven-day-a-week thing. Prayer never ceases. From the time I awaken in the morning till the time I'm asleep, I'm either, I'm either telling God that I'm sorry for whatever stupid thing I did or said, or I'm pleading with God to save me from myself. I'm a sad case. Or I'm telling God how much I love Him and how much I need Him. But as a basic guideline, as a scheduled discipline, I tell myself, I'm going to be on my knees worshiping God in prayer at least an hour a day. Number two. Six days a week, I read and study at least six Old Testament chapters and four New Testament chapters. This gets me through the Old Testament three to four times a year and through the New Testament multiple times per year. And number three, scripture memorization. For at least an hour a day, I review and memorize scripture. And right now, as I sit here, I have exactly 1,502 verses, passages, and chapters of the very words of God committed to memory now at about an hour a day it takes well not about an hour a day it's an hour a day i turn on my timer at an hour a day it takes me four days to come full circle to get through all of them all 1502 the same verses i memorized six years ago i still review today and on average every fourth day as i said i have to do it this way otherwise i forget now, to me, scripture memorization is one of the most important things that I do. It's as important to me as Bible study. Rather, to me, scripture memorization is Bible study. Because when you know the verses, when you know the very words, when they overflow your heart, you are always studying. Whether you have a Bible open or not. Because his word, his very words, they were always on the tip of the tongue. The mind never ceases to meditate on such beautiful and meaningful words as those of the word of God. Scripture memorization, as far as I'm concerned, and I believe I have the spirit of God. 
It is crucial. It is vital. And it is essential for the most obvious of reasons. The psalmist says in Psalm 119.05, he says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and it is a light to my path. Now this is a simple and common enough verse. And within it I believe a clear and practical reason to memorize scripture. For the word of God casts its glorious light onto our path. The word of God casts a ray of sunshine onto our trail of destiny. As we inevitably walk into the impenetrable shadows of the dark of night that is often this life. And whence darkness has indeed fallen, the words of God they reveal and expose the slippery slope. And the stumbling block. The words of God, they reveal the hidden viper at our feet. The disguised snare at our heel. It reveals the sudden drop-off in the steep cliff, which all literally seek our destruction as men and women of God. Do we not read and study the Bible to learn the Bible? It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. Because every Christian knows that it is important to read the Bible. And yet, ironically, there can be such a disconnect between Bible study and Bible memorization. So trying to get to the bottom of this disconnect, I must ask this question. What is our motivation for reading our Bibles? Is our study time simply our ethereal good luck charm? Do we read our Bibles in the morning simply to make ourselves feel better as if we have done our part and now we are blessed for having done so and now we can walk out of the house and have a good day? Or do we read our Bibles because we want to explore the depths of the heart of our great God and Savior? Do we read our Bibles so that we may know and learn the things that are pleasing to God or displeasing to God? To the end that we might obediently do them or not do them. And with love and reverence and awe. And to the even greater end that we might in great hope grope for and grasp and take hold of a true knowledge of the God of all the earth through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is not to say to know of God, but to know God with a blessed intimacy. Joshua 1.8 says that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. We study and we memorize the very words of God so that we may know and do the things that are pleasing to God. And this wonderful endeavor is not without great benefit to the man and woman of God. Jesus said in John 15, 7, If you remain in me and my words remain in you. 
Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What a promise. The study of and the memorization of the very words of God is wholly beneficial to the man and woman of God. I'll tell you, let me then be overzealous if then in my zeal the goodness of God draws near. It pleases God when we take our stand upon his word. And for the man and woman of God who takes their stand upon the very words of God, to these God has promised success and prosperity. Now isn't that what Joshua 1.8 said? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Now, this is not necessarily financial prosperity. That word prosperity can be deceptive when used within the context of Scripture. Not necessarily financial prosperity, but rather the overall blessing of God. That is, the overcoming ability through Christ Jesus to push on victoriously through and over every obstacle. For we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Ezra 7.10 says, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it. So again, we study and we memorize scripture so that we may walk it in sincerity. And so that we may practice it with reverence and with care. And so that we can teach it in truth to those who will listen. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. So let's switch gears for just a sec. <clears throat> so from what I can tell so far, there's plenty of biblical evidence that scripture memorization is important. You know, I'm not going to be the man to study the Word of God for my whole life and yet not remember in detail what it is that I've been studying. What about you? It seems foolish to me to always be studying and yet never fully remember what it is that I study. If it is a man's passion to master algebra, he must then learn and memorize many formulas. It is imperative for the fighter pilot to know the controls of his cockpit intimately. His life and the lives of others are at stake. So what evidence does the Bible give us that scripture memorization is yuck or unimportant or insignificant or an overly obsessive pursuit? Well, let me tell you, the Bible gives us absolutely no hint that scripture memorization is not important. Now, let me clarify something. When I say scripture memorization, I mean it synonymously with what is the sure, founded, and detailed knowledge of the word of God, the very words of God. 
When God speaks, ladies and gentlemen, every single word matters. Every single word. Every word of God is weighty and significant with depth and breadth. Psalm 12, 6 says that the words of the Lord are pure words. The words, the words. The words of the Lord are pure words. Not simply his philosophies. Not simply his ideals, but the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. The word of God. The very words of God are the power of God for all mankind. As I've said, it's not simply that the ideals of the Bible are important to remember. But it is the very words that are important to remember. The very words. The psalmist in Psalm 119.11 says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. So one preacher says, To knowing intimately the very words of God. And another says that those same words are like pure gold or priceless treasure or more necessary than the food that man needs to survive. Job says in 23.12, he says, I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You see, God holds himself accountable to his word and to his word alone. And this is why it is imperative to not just read the words, but to know the words. Proverbs 35 and 6 says that every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. That is, God is a shield to those who take their refuge within His proven and tested Word. Now let me give you another biblical example of the importance of the very words of God and the importance of knowing those words. The importance of having the very words of God within our heart. Now, after the, baptism, after the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist, the Bible says that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is in Matthew 4.1. The Bible then says that after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, Jesus then became hungry. And the verse 3 says, And then the tempter came, the devil, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written. It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And Jesus answered him and said, It is written, Satan. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see, Jesus doesn't simply say to Satan, No, or yes, or okay. But Jesus immediately quotes Deuteronomy 8.3. As a matter of fact, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8.3, and then he is done. He says nothing else. Now, he needn't say anything else because the truth of the tested word of God is the perfect answer to the many lies that are sure to drizzle like venom from the mouth of this fallen world that Satan inhabits. For Isaiah 48 says, For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. The eternally tested word of God is the power, and it is the victory. And it is the word of God alone that is immovable and unshakable. Next, the Bible says the devil took Jesus into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. <laughs> Do you see this? you see this? Even Satan recognizes the power of the knowledge of the Word of God. And he so tries to use it to deceive Jesus. Satan knows that the Word of God is his enemy. And it is his downfall, and that he is stripped of any and all power in its midst. So therefore, it is the grand wish of Satan that every Christian says, Yah, to scripture memorization. But Jesus would not be deceived by Satan. Jesus immediately recognizes Satan's blatant misuse of the context of the passage. And so Jesus doesn't take the bait. Because Jesus knows with an intimacy the word of God, the very words of God. And so Jesus says to Satan, on the other hand, Satan, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus immediately quotes Deuteronomy 6.16. You see, Jesus has no interest in carrying on a conversation with Satan as Eve did in the garden. Jesus simply preaches the word of God. For it is the eternally tested word of God that is the power, that is the victory. And it is the word of God and the word of God alone that is immovable and unshakable. If Jesus didn't recognize Satan's misuse of Psalm 91, 11, 12, and if Jesus did not know Deuteronomy 6, 16, the heart of Christ would have surely become an easy target for the fiery dart of deception shot from the crooked bow of the tempter. In the same way that Satan deceived even the garden, Satan was attempting to do to Jesus. Satan was attempting to lure Jesus away from the tested word of God and thus cause Jesus to disobey God. Satan wanted Jesus to sin so he could pounce on Christ like a lion on a gazelle. But he could not. 
He could not because Jesus took his stand on the eternally tested word of God. Jesus would not be moved from the truth of the word of God. As Jesus says in John 17, 17, as Jesus is praying to God on behalf of disciples, he asks God, Father, sanctify them by the truth, for your word is truth. Now the word of God is not only a shield on our arm in the day of battle. As we read in Ezra 35 and 6, every word of God is tested, and he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. But the word of God combined with our belief and our faith in it. It is not only our shield for the day of battle, but it is our sword. Ephesians 6, 16 and 17 says, In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You see, Satan loves it when the Christian thinks that scripture memorization is unimportant or insignificant. Satan loves it when the Christian stumbles onto the battlefield defenseless and unarmed, minds and hearts exposed. He loves it. So the Bible says that again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And the devil said to him, All these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6.13 Then the Bible says that the devil left him. Now, if it was important for Jesus Christ to memorize Scripture, why would we think that for us it is of no account? But someone may well say, Jesus, He was the Word of God. John 1.1 Jesus didn't have to memorize Scripture. He already knew it. But Hebrews 5a says that although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And Luke 2.40 says that as a child, Jesus grew. He increased in wisdom. And Luke 2.52 says that the child Jesus, as he was growing up, kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now, do you remember when Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, do you remember when they lost him when he was a child? Wow, what an awkward conversation to have with God. I I think this sometimes. I can't imagine having to go to God and tell him I lost your child. Anyways, do you remember this? They'd been on a three-day journey thinking Jesus was somewhere within the caravan. They're the travelers. But he wasn't. He was missing. So Mary and Joseph backtracked from where they had come, and they eventually found him. Well, where did they find him? And what was he doing? 
Luke 2.46 says, Then after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Jesus was not born with perfect knowledge. Jesus had to learn and Jesus had to grow the same as you and I do. Jesus had to fulfill Luke 16.10 the same as you and I do. Luke 16.10 which says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. The ministry of Jesus didn't begin until he was 30 years old. So what was he doing before that? He was fulfilling the parable of the talents is what he was doing. He was showing himself to be faithful with the little. And because he was faithful with the little at the age of 30, God entrusted him with the much, the hearts and souls of all mankind. So what was Jesus doing before his ministry began at 30 years old? He was learning. He was growing. He was overcoming. He was working. He was taking care of his family. He was being a faithful brother. He was being a faithful friend. Jesus wasn't born with a perfect knowledge of the scriptures. He had to learn it. The same as you and I. Hebrews 2.17 says that Jesus had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. So personally, I stand with the psalmist today and with Ezra and with Job and with Joshua and with Isaiah and with Jesus. Every single word that God has spoken is like great treasure that is to be stored up within the heart. Every single word that God has spoken is beautiful and it is meaningful. Every single word that God has spoken is precious to me. For by it, God guides me. And by it, God protects me. And by it, God fulfills me in every way. I will never cease my pursuit of the knowledge of the very words of God. I may not always live up to the high calling of the Word of God. But nevertheless, I will continue to memorize His precious Word and I will do it in hope. The hope that one day, even in the flesh, I will be gone, but his word will remain. Amen. Now on a personal note, if I may. These last couple of months, man, have been really hard. I know a lot of us are struggling right now. I know I'm not alone. A couple of months ago, my little doggie, 
my little baby girl. She was diagnosed with kidney disease. She was a, a rat terrier. She was seven. She passed away on the 20th. I'll never forget the date 120, man. <laughs> because of Second Corinthians 120. Speaking of scripture memorization, right? For as many as are the promises of God in him, they are yes. Therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. She was so special to me. The thing that breaks my heart the most is that in her sweet innocence, she was looking to me to save her and to make her feel better. And I couldn't. And let me say something else. She wasn't just a dog. To me, to me she was love and kindness and faithfulness and compassion and joy. She wasn't just a dog. But she was a brilliant teacher. She taught me to not take for granted the perfect place to sit in the sun. She taught me to never take for granted the beauty of having someone to sit beside and to be near to. She taught me to be grateful in the little things like like just getting a little food in my belly. And she taught me that if I cannot contain my joy, just let it out, no matter who's watching. And she would let out her joy in a hundred mile an hour run through the sand, smiling as she zoomed past. She wasn't just a dog. She was my Molly. My little butt. My britches. My Lala. My lollipop. My lolly. My little nugs. And I miss her. Everywhere I go, there she is. I continually follow her. And yet she is not there. I love you, little butt. I'm not going to say anything else about her because it's in my heart. It's in my heart to write a sermon about the dog. That's right. The dog. My dog and your dog. And I'll enjoy every moment of it. And I won't be ashamed in the least. You know, these animals give so much and they deserve to be honored. All right. God bless.